Hey, welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Today, we're talking with Tyler Robertson, who's the CEO of Diesel Laptops. And Tyler's got one of those stories that when you hear it, it just really lights you up because he's one of those people that spotted a problem, knew it was a problem, and tried to fix the problem and designed a business around it. This is a pretty interesting story, more so because of how fast these events unfolded. Check it out. Well, um, Tyler, thanks for sitting down with us today. Um, you know, Diesel Laptops has been on a pretty wild journey um, over the last couple of years. Um, but I think, you know, what people are interested in that are watching this is, so what What got it all started? What was that tipping point that, that led you to begin this? Yeah, I mean, I was literally just doing this part-time for for beer money, essentially, <laughs> and, and doing this thing and it just kept growing and growing. And I'm working my full-time job, 45, 50 hours a week. I'm working this thing. I got a, a one-year-old and a three-year-old at home. And honestly, my 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 work kind of forced it on me. I was doing <laughs> my job there. And they came to me and said, Tyler, you're doing a great job. Uh, we're going to give you a raise and a bigger bonus this year, but you need to quit your side business. It's just it's taking too much time away and creating some conflict. And um, I, I didn't know what to do, so I called my dad. My dad said, you got a great job. You have a wife that doesn't work. You got two young kids. You just, you got to do that thing mm -hmm. um, and get rid of your side business. So I went home, talked to the wife and she said the exact opposite. She said, quit your job. We'll figure it out. We've been smart with money. Let's just try this thing. Um, and that's where it started. It was just me and my dining room and my garage and dreams of sitting by the pool, just trying to eco to living, not yeah. working for someone else. So... You know what? What was your your side hustle? I mean, what were were you making something? Were you designing something? What was that? Yeah, like? so I've been I've been we do essentially do commercial truck uh, repair information and solutions to all people to fix commercial trucks. Mm -hmm. So I've been in that industry forever, and I was a service manager, a parts man. I worked in dealerships, so I saw all the problems that people had trying to fix their own equipment. Mm -hmm. And I was able to put together some pieces and start building some software that essentially made that a lot easier for people and not have to come to a dealership to get those services. Mm -hmm. So just started with one really small thing. And as you start talking to customers and you start learning opportunities, you just start taking them and you start building out. And it just went really quick after that. How did you get the, you mentioned software. I mean, if, if in your day job, you were working in dealerships and, and while you had some familiarity, it sounds like with the problems, did you have to teach yourself skills? Well, what was that like just to be able to do what you were doing? So although I worked in truck dealerships, I went to school for computer engineering to start with. Okay. So I had some background in there. Um, you know, ironically, I got kicked out of school for bad grades and ended up being in the truck dealership world, but it gave, <laughs> it gave a great foundation for everything. And I knew what I needed to build. So at that time, I was just finding outsourced developers and just explaining, this is what I'm trying to build. And we're still going through that transition now. We're, I always say we're a bunch of dumb truck guys trying to figure out how to be a software company. Mm -hmm. And in our industry, there's a lot of software companies figuring out how to be in the trucking industry with everything going on. So for us, it's been a lot easier to make that transition, but we're still trying to make it and still trying to grow and learn as we go through the process. Yeah. What were some of the problems that, that you saw early on? You know, you're working your day job and, and you're seeing things at field level what were some of those problems that you saw that said, hey, this I must do something about this? Yeah, so people need to understand truck dealerships, um, they're like car dealerships, but commercial trucks, their service departments are booked up days or weeks in advance. Okay. And you don't bring your car in and get it, you bring your car in and you get it back the same day oftentimes. Mm -hmm. 
the turnaround time on a commercial truck is four to seven days. And these are wow. tools that make people money. So constantly people are trying to come in there, business owners, like, hey, I got my check engine light on, I have a problem. And we would just say, well, get in line, we'll, we'll see it in a week. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't make the business owner very happy. So we just said, when I was a service manager, we just said, look, let's just go out there, hook up the laptop, let's see what problems you have, and let's kind of direct that traffic a little bit and let the customer know if he needs to leave it or if he can just come back at a better time. So you start doing that for customers and they start asking you, well, how, how can I buy that software? Because they don't want to have to drive to the dealership just to find that out. And at that point, there wasn't a lot of options out in the marketplace. So as I kind of moved into a different department of the company, we started selling that software to customers. And then you solve one problem. Now you have a, a, a business owner that bought some software. Now he doesn't know how to install it. He doesn't know how to use it. He doesn't know how to configure Bluetooth. He doesn't know what to do with the fault codes when he looks at them. So we just started building all the solutions around that to make it easier for that person to kind of self-serve and, and kind of do their DIY, but on commercial trucks. Mm-hmm. Where, where did this desire to help in that industry, where, where did it come from? What, what was that born out of? Yeah, you know, that's a, that's a really, really good question. I mean, I can say I've always been the person when I've worked for somebody else where I just wanted to take what I had and make it better. So in every situation I walked into working for somebody else, I always had these ideas and these things, we should try this, we should try that. Well, when you're reporting to someone else, you oftentimes get knocked down a couple times and you, or you get told no a lot, right? Sure. Um, so I, I think a lot of it was, I just wanted to help people solve their problem, get their trucks on the road quicker. I heard all the complaining, I heard all the issues. These people are trying to buy commercial trucks to make money. That's what they do. They're not like a mm-hmm. personal automobile just to go drive around. Right. So I just wanted to help people fix trucks more quickly. and that mentality still exists in our organization. So we do it backwards. When customers, when we look at a problem, we don't think of what's the revenue we can generate. We think of how can we develop something to solve that problem and we develop it. And then we go to market and say, what's this thing worth and what can we sell for it? So I know it's completely backwards on how a lot of companies do it. But for us, we just know we solve problems. We'll find customers to go buy that product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, your comment about that being backwards, I think I think that would get you thrown out of some business pitch competition, probably. But I mean, you're a real life example of how it has worked. Um, talk to us a little bit more about about having, because I mean, let's let's be honest. You know, if if you're solving or if if you're focusing on the problems and there's no revenue, you've got to have something to support and to pay the people that are thinking about those problems. How have you structured the business to be able to sort of innovate, if you will, knowing we don't have any revenue now to support that? How do you how do you create a, an organism that does that? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, today we're in a great place. 175 plus employees. We'll do north of 50 million in revenue. We're profitable. All these things. It wasn't like that six years ago when I was in my garage. Right. So literally every time we made any profit at all. I just put it right back into the company. It didn't mm-hmm. matter if it was $100 or $1,000 or $5,000. I just took anything extra. And me and my wife, we lived on like scorch earth. Like there was no expenses going on, right? Like we canceled <laughs> everything. It was like the rice and beans thing. Like we got to figure this out. But, you know, as you start to take off and people start to realize what you are and your name gets out there and you start selling more and more, I did it for you. We still do it. We still take what we make and we put it right back into the company to keep developing these products and go faster. So to this point inside our own company, a number surprised me. We spent $10 million of basically profit to reinvest in the company that does zero revenue today. And we talked to a lot of people and they look at that like, God, why are you doing that? That's just mm-hmm. silly. You should be doing some other. And I'm like, 
We believe in ourselves. We believe in the future. And we can do these things because we still have this great ramp on certain product segments. And we're trying to develop more of those ramps and really bring this into something special. So products are the name of the game. You develop things that people want to buy. Um, you mentioned going from yourself at a dining room table to 176 employees. I'm guessing somewhere along the line, you guys also got into the people business. In other words, developing people. Yeah. Talk to us about how Diesel develops people that are on the team. So it was pretty cool. We just, uh, you know, flashback on Facebook, you get these pictures, right? And there mm -hmm. was there was one from four years ago and we had 20 employees at the time and we'd shut the whole company down and we went to an escape room and it was my birthday. So we, we did this thing and there was just, so people are on Facebook commenting, oh, there's still 11 of the 20 people here and all those yeah. things. And developing people is really tough, especially as your company's scaling. So we've had situations where like the, my sales manager at the time, he got us from like, how do we sell this to selling $20 million in revenue? And then then he he capped out. <laughs> He's like, I, I can't I can't do more. I don't know more. You need somebody different. Mm -hmm. And we as a company went through some management training. We brought in a consulting company. We went through and we got to figure out how are we not that entrepreneurs true from the hip into a more professionally managed business. And we're mm -hmm. still going through that transition. Um, and there's some people that they they tapped out or ones that we had to tap out and say, look, I'm sorry, you're, you're not the person that can get us to the next level. We'll, we'll slide you over here, or do something different. Um, but it's, it's very, very tough because it's the management side, it's the people side, uh, bringing in seasoned executives. We brought in a great VP of HR from Amazon and Kia. He came in to really help us. We got some great people in from the outside that know our business. And now what we do, especially with new employees like in our sales department, we're, we're trying to really scale up and go bring in 20, 30, 40 salespeople. Mm -hmm. How do you do that and get them trained up on a, a niche product? And what we do is we have Diesel Academy. We really have a, we were okay. first elementary kids. Now we transitioned it to actual employees and they go through a month long training academy about diesel trucks and how they work and our products and our markets and all those things. So it's everything from the products, the markets to the actual management side and the skill side that you have to go through as an organization. And it's it's a really tough transition to make. But it sounds like like you've, you've made it, you know, or, or that you're making it. Um, and I think, you know, I hope this comment isn't lost on people watching this is that you had to make a very deliberate decision to reinvest those profits into the business. Because I think a lot of people, when they fantasize about owning a business or starting a business, or even in the business they're already in, they imagine those profits you know, being fat and juicy and kind of going toward something that they want. But you had a very different approach to that. Yeah, so I mean, th there was profit, but between taxes, your revenue, your uh, accounts receivable growing, your inventory growing, it, it's just not there. And we didn't take outside investment money to go scale and grow this thing. And we were just doing it organically and naturally. It is really freaking tough. You And I made so many mistakes in that whole process, but we wanted the top line growth and the revenue growth and we we got it and we went that direction with everything. So it does, it, it's not an easy path doing that, but it's definitely a doable path if you're smart and you do it the right way and stay focused on it. So if you... You know, six years ago, you, you were doing your work, you were seeing these problems, you, you, were, you were starting something that, that has certainly grown and, and, and changed. Um, where are you seeing now that you, you're beginning to put a dent into your industry? Or, or is it still too soon to really, to really see that? Or, or what do you hope that dent will look like? You know, we, we talk about this internally because we're like, okay, we're, 
you know, we'll do north of 50 million in revenue. We're competing against big names, Bosch, Snap-on, like these big, mm-hmm. well-known names in the sure. industry. We're always sitting there thinking, man, do you think someone somewhere's looking at a balance sheet or an income line statement thinking where what's happening in this market? So it, it's really odd. We haven't seen much reaction from competitors in the space, but I can say the, the real pivot points really happened in the last year, year and a half, mm-hmm. where now it's these companies we never even approached that are finding us and coming to us saying, how do we work with you guys? Because we want to partner with these laptops in a strategic fashion. We're both talking to the same customers or we have companion products. So it's been really interesting to see very large companies all of a sudden calling us, trying to engage with us and trying to do things with us. And that's been a real a real shift. What was that like the first time you got one of those calls? <sighs> Did you think it was a prank call? I, I, <laughs> the, the weirdest moment for me is I had two CEOs from two different companies of revenues of a billion dollars each walk through our front door to meet with us within the same week. And that's when wow. I was like, I just feel like we're just like a, like you can just tell the attention we're getting is a lot different than what it was. And I remember the first couple of times I'm like, you know, you're just kind of shell shocked. These are guys with, you know, three, four, 5,000 employees inside their organizations. And here I'm at Diesel Laptops, just trying to do this little thing not far removed from my garage. So yeah, so it's really weird when you get those phone calls and get those meetings with people and you know, at first you're nervous, but you do a couple of them and you realize, you know what? I, I, they're just like us. They're just, they have a role sure. to play in this whole thing. And we're all just trying to better both our companies at the sure. end of the day. Well, and I mean, you know, uh, not to not to blow glitter around the room, but I mean, maybe they're a little nervous. Uh, you know, it's funny. Like I remember going to a, a very big meeting up in Philadelphia with a, um, a, a large company up there. And I was so nervous walking in there. Um, and then they started asking me questions and I, I thought I was being pranked because they were like the most simplest questions at all about my industry. And then I'm sitting there realizing like, you know, this company is so big. They have so many people and they know their little world. They don't they don't know the entire spectrum of what's going on out here. <laughs> so to me, these seem like simple things because I'm in it every day, but they're just trying to learn and figure out how it is. And they just don't know what the left hand and the right hand are doing at these companies. And I think a lot of these larger companies now as they've gotten engaged with us, you can tell definitely a couple of them are concerned with the, the way things we're trying to shift things to because it's not the way they want things shifted. Right. And it's always the small companies that seem to come out of nowhere and all of a sudden the wind's blowing a completely different direction and they're playing catch up all of a sudden. Yeah. So, you know, you, you've been at it for six years. You, you you have this super just exciting story. You're all over social media talking about your, your company and how highly you think of it and, and all the sort of what's next type things and even pre- previews. But but for this audience, I mean, can you give us a bit of a roadmap of, of the next maybe year to two years and, and where you see things going? I mean, and again, don't don't share the secret sauce, but I mean, just, you know, can you, yeah. can you give us a little bit of that? Yeah, and I, I think the general public knows it. They don't realize it. So I'll even go down to automotive here, right? So automotive today, you're driving your car, your car breaks, it goes to repair shop, it gets fixed, they order parts and mm-hmm. they fix it, right? That's the way it's worked forever and that's the way it works in the commercial truck industry. It's already started to change where now the OEMs take a look at Tesla and take a look at even the truck guys are doing it where they're monitoring the data on the vehicle as it's driving up and down the road. Mm-hmm. And then call centers are now involved in telling you before you even have a problem in some cases, hey, you got some stuff going on here, you need to get it to a repair shop. Mm-hmm. And now that call center is involved through that whole repair shop process which really changes the dynamic. So now if you're in the repair business, you're not the guy just expecting someone to walk in the door and you're deciding what parts to buy. Someone's actually bringing you a truck saying, here's what's wrong with it, here's how to fix it, here are the parts. And it just completely changes the way that whole ecosystem has worked forever. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, it's better for everybody. It's better for the OEMs. 
it's better for the people that own those vehicles. And the shops are gonna have to figure out how do we how do we pivot and kind of monetize this thing because now we just lost control on this whole repair process. Someone else is just basically telling us what to do instead of us being the experts and telling them what to do. Interesting. So technology is changing the automotive and the heavy truck world a lot. Throw into their electrification, throw into their robots driving cars and trucks. Mm-hmm. The world's changing at a remarkably fast pace right now. What role do you see diesel playing in those trends? Yeah, so everything we invest is us figuring out how we do that, but in the aftermarket world. So the okay. OEM dealers, you know, they have their thing. Cars or trucks are a couple years old. That's kind of where we step in and say, okay, Ford did that for Ford vehicles, diesel laptops. We need to do this for every make model that's out there and try to fit these different market segments. So it's all about us putting that technology and figuring that out. So one of the tools we just released, a little device, pairs with the Bluetooth phone, hooks to a commercial truck, we pull data off it. So now all of a sudden we're embedded in the cab, we're not embedded in the diagnostic shop as well. Mm-hmm. So getting all those things to talk together and having the technology and the right infrastructure, pretty important stuff as the world changes. Wow. Well, and I'll admit, I mean, who knew that there was so much innovation that could go on in something that seems so everyday and ordinary? I mean, every road you drive on, you pass an 18-wheeler or a dump truck or something like that, that are, they're your people. So, you know? yeah, nobody realizes there's 9 million commercial trucks driving around right now on American roads hauling goods. Everything you touch, sit, eat, drive, work in, a truck had something to do with it. Yeah. So it's an industry that's not going away for a long time. And you just look at uh, the off-highway diesel world, it's another huge world that we play in, and we involve marine diagnostics and the same thing there. So there's a there's a big world there that people don't see. And literally with the pandemic, it's sped everything up from the logistics side. There's literally billions and billions of dollars being invested in logistics, repair side, and everything in between to keep this thing going. So technology is, is quickly increasing and the money's just pouring in. I mean, I can't help but think, and, and pardon the cliche, but diesel laptops is very much at the right place at the right time. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, you know, it's funny. We, I've had a couple of people say that to me. <laughs> like, man, you're lucky, you're right place, right time. I'm like, yeah, it is. But I also had 20 years of prepared knowledge and working inside dealerships and being around commercial trucks for 20 years to recognize that opportunity. Yeah. So it, it's definitely the right place at the right time, but that, that's not always enough. It's you got to go have a plan. You got to go execute on that plan. Mm-hmm. You need the right people to do that. And that's been one of the hardest things growing a business is trusting the people you bring in to go do those things. And I, I, I get, I never understood before why small companies just don't grow beyond a certain size. Mm-hmm. And going through this process, I definitely see it now. And a lot of times it's the owner. I've found myself the, the linchpin not allowing my people to move faster mm-hmm. because I'm trying to control too much of the process. And that's a really hard thing for a business owner to do is just give up control and trust your employees to go execute. Yeah, we've heard that from from a number a number of guests, and I think we've even seen it just in our own personal observation that, um, oddly enough, the the very thing that that sort of was the impetus to start and that spark that that did get ignited um, after a period of time can become the roadblock, you know. And I think having the, having the vision and, and the sort of self awareness to see that is also a, a big difference maker. And I'm also glad, in terms of a a footnote here, that while an outside casual observer might throw the right place at the right time at you, and, and you know they, they mean that well. I'm glad that you put in there that, hey, but for 20 years, like I was grinding away, not really knowing how I would use it, but when I saw the opportunity, I sort of knew what I needed to do. And I, and I think a lot of people sort of forget about that in part of the entrepreneurial process is this, this sort of incubation period, for lack of a better word, that you don't even know really what's developing inside of you 
but there comes that moment of decision. Yeah, a, a lot of people see me and you're like, oh, you're an overnight success. No, no, no. It, this was this was 10 <laughs> years working inside truck dealerships, like literally service manager, service writer, part like, I understood that word really well. And then I always tell people the last 10 years, it, it was like a paid training for me. So better than any college could have given me, I got paid to really learn how this whole industry works inside a different organization. And without that experience, I, there's no way diesel laptops is where it is today or even exists at all. It's it's just one of those things you have to, you have to live through and experience matters. Tyler, that's a cool story. Thank you for sitting down and, and just being willing to be open about this and, and to just share the process and what it was like. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. It's always a pleasure. Enjoy the show and thank you for inviting me on. 